We welcome you back to the Two Guys Named Chris Show. Lisa Lanier is our official attorney. She joins us every week at this time. Segment is called Lawyer Up. She goes inside a bunch of legal cases and dissects them all. Hello, Lisa. How you doing? I'm fantastic. I hope you guys are. Doing very well. It's great to have you in here, as always. Uh, we have a uh, we have one that's like breaking news for you, Lisa Lanier, that Chris Dim just brought up in a Dim report. But it is overseas. I'm going to take you to Germany and hope you can handle it. Okay. I'm, I'm hoping. I don't know. You know how I am with the international law. I know the international law yeah, sometimes gets you. strong suit. The story yeah. is there is a nurse there that was administering the COVID vaccine, but she's an anti-vaxxer. So really, when people were going in to get the vaccine, she was just giving them a saline solution, which of course won't hurt you, but they weren't actually vaccinated as they thought they were. So my question was, let's say these people thinking they had the vaccine went out, went into crowds, restaurants, you know, party, whatever it might be get covid and wind up dying of it or getting a severe case of it could you connect the dots and charge her with manslaughter yeah i think you could and it's actually uh, there's something similar that's been happening in the u.s where people who are opposed to the vaccination are lying to their employer and faking the vaccination cards and pretending that they've been vaccinated when they haven't mm -hmm. and these people are being criminally prosecuted uh, under statutes that we have, and they have similar ones internationally, that um, basically are, you know, if you intentionally uh, do things that can spread a communicable, communicable disease, then you are liable criminally. Mm -hmm. we, you know, we've talked about this with herpes and HIV, and it's true of any disease. It's not limited to sexually transmitted diseases. That's true. So she, could, she could face criminal charges, and her employer could potentially be civilly liable her actions if someone dies or something well well huh. like the old uh, you remember hearing in the 80s when aids was running rampant people uh sleeping with others and then writing on the mirror in lipstick welcome oh, to the wonderful world happened. of aids that never happened you know oh how gosh. that was being done hear about that all the time <laughs> leaving syringes in uh pay phone so when you stick your hand in ah, it gets change out no. and all of a sudden you have AIDS. You read all that in the weekly world news. This happened <laughs> repeatedly right in the next late to the, uh, yeah. the missing kidneys in the bathtub. Yep. <laughs> yes, there's another one. Repeatedly that happened in the late 80s. There is a story out of Brooklyn today. We're just wondering now. The debate was how much will this family get? There was a woman named Clarabelle Oppenheimer who passed and was being buried in a plot at Evergreen Cemetery in late June. She was 79 years old, and when the family got there for the funeral there at the grave site, they tried to put Clarabelle into the grave, but the hole that had been dug was too narrow for Clarabelle's coffin. So they tried to wedge it in every possible way they could, and they anyway, they turned it. They actually turned her on her head at one point, like, you know, vertically. Yeah. And the unthinkable happened. The coffin popped open, and Clarabelle spilled There she was. There she was. <laughs> hey. In front of, there's Grandma. There's Grandma in front of all the friends and relatives. I mean, it's really horrible. It's a nightmare. It's as bad as you can imagine. Family has to sit there and see it. They're planning a lawsuit. I said, let's give these people a lot of money. But am I just emotional justice on this, Lisa? What do you think the hall will be? Do you think the cemetery will be found liable for this and have to pay a bunch of money what do you think yeah they'll, they'll have to pay some money they'll probably end up settling out of court because these cases at a time when jury verdicts are sort of you know on a on a historical downward cycle in terms of the amounts these verdicts are not really headed in that direction they tend to be higher verdicts because 
people just really empathize, I think, with what a family's going through, grieving family, and then seeing the body, you know, popping open the casket accidentally. Mm. And apparently this was quite the ridiculous ordeal. Like, this went on for hours, and they damaged the casket. Mm. So then the casket had to go back to the funeral home and be completely replaced. So she had to be moved to a completely new casket, bring it back. And it was just, you know, they're all sitting there watching for hours, and it was just their worst nightmare. So the average verdict in a case where there's some sort of a, corpse issue and a family sees the corpse in some kind of awful situation, the average is about $250,000. There are many that are higher, you know, five, six, seven hundred $700,000, and there are a few that are lower, but that's about the average nationally. Wow. It sounds awful when you read the details and hear the details again, but yeah. if you add the Benny Hill music, it's not quite, I suppose, quite a time. I suppose you're right if you think about the digging of... <laughs> Fast motion digging of a grave and then dropping her and looking around. She spills out. I'm going to run across the street and get another casket. <laughs> get another casket. Why is a girl in her underwear? Uh, it's Benny. <laughs> somebody, uh, somebody said that last night. My pickleball team, as we were squeegeeing off the wet courts and blowing them with the leaf blowers, I said, put the Benny Hill music to speed it up. Unbelievable. I say give this people five, six hundred thousand dollars uh, end of what you were talking about, Lisa. Yeah, I agree. And if you're at it's the funeral, yeah. if yeah. you're not a family member and you're just at the funeral at the grave site, do you say, I'm going to go ahead and go? <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> or do you have to sit through right. the whole thing oh, to be God. there for the family? Oh, put a shovel full of dirt on? Yeah, what's whatever. the protocol yeah. on or that? Rose. I would go. <laughs> exactly. Oh, it's hot. And it was four hours that they sat out there. <laughs> it was just as bad as it gets. Yeah. There's another woman ready to sue today. Now, this did not take place in the United States. This is England. But she was uh, leaving her apartment complex, and she had a security deposit that she was hoping to get back in full. And she is on TikTok now saying that she did not get her security deposit back because there was one single frozen pea left in the freezer. (laughs) And because of that, they said, nope, sorry, you can't have that back. And I think there was a piece of paper on the floor. So we got a torn piece piece of paper on the floor. Everything else was gone. Torn piece of paper on the floor, no damage to anything, and a frozen pee. And the landlord said, I'm going to charge you for this. We mm. cannot give you your deposit back. <laughs> Surely she wins this, Lisa. Your thoughts? Yeah, the, and it's actually pretty easy. In the U.K., where this story comes from, they have a program called the Tenancy Deposit Program that is designed for landlords to place security deposits in this. It's like an escrow kind mm-hmm. of an account. Mm-hmm. And that program, if the landlord participates in it, offers a dispute resolution program that makes it easy for you to appeal what you consider to be a, you know, an unfair holding of your security deposit. Aha. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I would think she would win very easily. I didn't, it's had, the case yeah. of the princess and the pea. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, a friend of mine has a question, too, about this is kind of landlord-like. We talked about it earlier this week. He bought a beach house. He and his family bought a beach house. And because the family moving out of the beach house wasn't quite ready to go yet. Now, they closed on it and everything, but they were building another house. So they said, can we rent it back from you for a month, which is pretty common, I guess. And so yeah, they, a lease back. Yeah. Right. So they did a lease back program. So the month, the month ends and the family still in the house says, we want to rent it back for another month. And my friend said, no, we don't want to do that because we're ready to go enjoy the last part of the summer at the beach house. 
But they're saying they really want to do this. And he says he doesn't think he can kick them out because you can't evict anybody right now. And technically, they're renters. Mm. And just right now, you can't evict anybody. Is that the case, Lisa? You know, I think in this situation, uh, there might be an exception to that since it's a lease back under a purchase. But even if he evicted them, mm-hmm. the process for evicting them would take long enough that the month would be gone. So it doesn't so, matter. I mean, it, it doesn't matter. He might as well. I mean, to serve them and, you know, get his court date and all that, it'll probably, and it'll waste, I mean, a bunch of his time and take up the whole month anyway. And then and then they're leaving and they're like, oh, never mind. We're gone. You yeah, know, because the yeah, month's gone by. Yeah. So you might as well just take the we'll money. Learn. Take the money for the month, you know? Yeah. This Lisa doesn't need to hear this, and I apologize for wasting your time. We can strike this from the record, but. Is this friend going to let you uh, give you the hookup, Kelly? <laughs> there it is. Yeah, <laughs> Another friend with a beach house? That's what it is. Yeah. Look, I'm, let me just say, I'm keenly aware of the situation. <laughs> yeah. I'm, uh, like all, these, made... all these serious problems, these first world problems, yeah. these rich people. Would you people call him a good friend? No, I'd call him a very good friend. Right exactly. Yes, now I would. Call Sounds him like a... someone's going to Great Wolf Lodge in a month <laughs> <laughs> instead of the beach. Yeah, you have to swim inside. <laughs> I told him that Lisa and I would fight for him yes. every step of the way. <laughs> Move though to sit there and say we're not leaving. Oh, I know. To say we won't go. Yeah, I mean it really is. I mean, come on, get a month. We squatting. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) that's exactly what they're doing. uh, uh, Biggie told was the first to tell me about this, and it's pretty legendary, I guess. That McDonald's ice cream machines are notoriously broken all the time. You go through. Order a McFlurry. Yeah, and they don't have it. They're like, no, nah, ice cream machine's broken. Now, Biggie's theory has always been they're not really broken. They're just hard to clean, and they don't like to do don't it. Don't want to do it. <laughs> but there's a lawsuit. I had trouble understanding it, but a judge has awarded a temporary restraining order against the Taylor Company, the company that makes McDonald's ice cream machines, because another company called Kitsch Incorporated makes a tool to fix the machines And they are fighting and trying to get everything lined up here. Customers have complained that the machines known for breaking while making the McFlurry desserts. The lawsuit says that Taylor has designed a flawed code that causes the machines to malfunction. That literally they break. And they're intentionally breaking, basically. What do you make of this, Lisa? This lawsuit about McDonald's ice cream machines. Really, this boils down to it's it's a business tort between... Taylor that makes these ice cream machines and this Kitsch company that makes the repair equipment or diagnostic tool. And what they're saying is basically that this Taylor company that makes these malfunctioning machines has tried to steal the Kitsch design and, and actually create a copycat version of the Kitsch diagnostic tool. And what they did was they, they say that Taylor used an alias to buy one of the Kitsch devices and then started copying it. And they've tr- they're trying to put Kitsch out of business and take over that business. Taylor wants, according to Kitsch, Taylor wants that business of diagnosing and fixing the machines that they mm. put in these stores. Mm. And wow. so it's, but the judge has ruled in favor of Kitsch and they have ordered the Taylor company that makes the machines to give over the device as well as to refrain from using any information that they gleaned from it and refrain from copying it or anything. So, so it seems at this point anyway that uh, Kitsch has prevailed. What a story. Mm, it is. Isn't that crazy that they do that? You know, that kind of reminds me, when, when uh, television first came out with DVRs, I had a TiVo. I was a very early adopter mm. of TiVo, and it was great. I mean, you could pause live TV, which we've never been able to do before. You could record at the touch of a button, record a whole season of shows, of course, all of those things. And then within a couple of years, television, cable companies, satellite, they had their own product that was just like TiVo and pretty much drove TiVo yeah 
out of business. Yeah, it used to say I'd Tebow the show. Yeah. Now you yeah. then the, the language changed to I DVR'd it. it. Yeah. I f- always well, felt bad for TiVo because they, they originated it, you know, but they weren't hooked up with yeah. any of these companies and their idea basically was stolen. Isn't this a similar thing? It's a little bit different, I think, in terms of, you know, here there was a very, uh, what sounds like a, a very sort of uh, dastardly plan to, you know, sneak, you know, sneak and get a machine. And mm-hmm. yeah. they tried to, for, apparently they tried for a long time. And uh, rather than developing their own technology, mm-hmm. they were just trying to copy this. And so it's a little bit different. Well, I think directly, you know, I love that word. A, I, I think DirecTV bought a TiVo and said, "We need to figure this out and uh, get it done." You know, <laughs> yeah, they might have. Yeah. TiVo should have called them out. <laughs> well, you know, actually, TiVo wound up. Uh, I believe they, they went partnered in, with somebody else, right? DirecTV. They okay. they got yeah, into bed right. with DirecTV, but I don't think they are anymore. And it was TiVo. TV, I TiVo'd something was part yeah, of the that language. was the verb for a time. Just for a minute. Yeah. 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 It's unfortunate for them. Uh, there's Just see this woman. This is uh, overseas as well. A Russian woman is suing McDonald's because she broke her, uh, during Lent, she was giving up meat for 40 days, and halfway through, a McDonald's commercial tempted her so much, mm. she went and had a quarter pounder. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so she's ready to sue McDonald's over this. I assume that'll be tossed out immediately, Lisa. Is that correct? It will, yeah. And she's only suing for the equivalent of $14. That's right. Which is bizarre. <laughs> Do you think, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's ridiculous. Could McDonald's just hand her $14 at the end of the day? How many McDonald's are there in Russia? But there's a bunch, wouldn't there? Is that becoming you a... Think? I would think so. Again, I guess. Cities? Cities, so, yeah. This was, uh, this was for Lent of 2019, and she was halfway through Lent giving up red meat and she saw a commercial from McDonald's and just said, I couldn't help myself. I went and got the uh, cheeseburgers. She's weaker than you, Kelly. She That's is. saying something. She is. That is saying a lot. That advertising does get me, though, boy, sometimes. You the see, oh, You see it and you want In it. In every language. One more quick one here, Lisa. There is a, uh, a lawsuit today against Pornhub, which I know is a, this is a, a website that some of us are familiar He's with. pointing to Biggie. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, the record, if you're not watching the video Let feed. me say this. He's pointing at me, but he means himself. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I've heard of it. This is called deflecting. I've heard of it. There's a there's a website called Pornhub, and they've announced a project that recreates classic artworks in a pornographic context. And now the Louvre of Paris is suing Pornhub because some of these great works of art are in the Louvre, so they're saying you're stealing mm. this, even though they're doing it, you know, with nudie bodies. Yeah. Now, I'm again, advertising suggestion. I'm interested in something like this. Lisa, I'm on Pornhub's <laughs> side on this. So I feel like they should be allowed to do this. What are your thoughts? No, well, they, well, they can't do because what they're doing because they're taking it one step further. They're actually showing the image from these museums oh, of the wow. classic artwork and that's the part that's where they're you know they're showing videos and other images and that's where they're crossing the line and so so far these museums not just it's the louvre it's the uffizi it's the met in new york all these museums are up in arms because their images of their they have exclusive rights to the commercial use of these images and they certainly don't want them on pornhub and so they are sending a letter they've sent several of them have sent letters to pornhub that are cease and desist type letters if pornhub continues to use these unauthorized images, then they will take legal action. Mm. And Pornhub can't do that. You know, these are the museums clearly own the exclusive rights to these works. Mm. 
Listen, a Pornhub spokesperson says there's a treasure trove of erotic art from around the world. Manet. Okay, we should be allowed to use this. How do you get stuff? to be a spokesperson for Pornhub? That's a good idea. <laughs> I'm in the wrong business. <laughs> they call you him. lose rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> I guess see. So. He is a Pornhub brand ambassador. <laughs> and he says well, the, aren't we all? <laughs> he says the things depict. Is that a herpes sore on your lip, sir? Should, should, I, please ignore that. <laughs> Trying to focus on art and fair use. Yes. Well, listen, then, how is it? What is the deal when, like, I went to uh, Florence, Italy once, and I saw Michelangelo's David, and I walked into the museum and saw it, and like, okay, this is nice. But then I got out onto the street, and we were eating, like, in a cafe, and there was almost the exact same statue out in the middle of the street, and I was like, well, that's it right there. I mean, I shouldn't have even had to pay the the thousands of lira to go in there and see michelangelo's david there's another exact replica of it how can there be exact replicas of things and you know that kind of stuff i guess deals are made so that you can sell posters of the mona lisa is that right yeah deals are made uh licensing agreements and that sort of thing and then there's also a big problem with unlicensed products you know on the streets and stuff and they try to they try to handle that as best they can but if it's you know if it's like a street peddler chances are they're not going to crack down on that Okay. You see little little replicas and stuff being sold by street peddlers in Florence, but yeah. there's not much done about that. That's true. That's exactly right. They're trying to sell me that stuff. What, what did you bring home from Italy from your trip? I had really? I had like um, a little statuette of probably David or something like that, and I saw. Remember, I took pictures of the um, Sistine Chapel, which I wasn't supposed to. Yeah, that's when I took that little uh, disposable camera inside, there, yeah. inside. Yeah. and they said no photography, but. But I would I would take pictures of it, <laughs> and then no the, picture, no photo, no photo. Right. The, the little flecks of paint would fall from the ceiling. Though. That was good stuff. Yeah, you should see the statue, Lisa. It barely looks like a bong. Yeah, <laughs> really high. You want to know where the smoke comes from? <laughs> yeah, we got a new post. Yeah. <laughs> Michelangelo's David. Now, that was something to see. That yeah. was a big deal. They it's said. really taller than they said, than it appears, right? Enormous. Yes. Very, very tall. It's huge. I mean, yeah. it's not life-size. It's, like it's, it's, twice bigger. Size. it's bigger than life-size, yeah. Have you seen it, Lisa? You've been in Michelangelo's David. I have, yeah. Yeah, we, yeah, we went uh, five years ago, yeah. and uh, it was a kid's first big trip ever, and it was it's mind-boggling. How it's, it's amazing. It's, it's big, and it, you know, yeah, it's amazing. You should have called me. I had the best lasagna I've ever had Ooh, in Florence. Yeah. I had a yeah. wonderful lasagna there. I would have given you the restaurant's name and everything. Next time you go, Lisa. It was Stafur's. Yeah. <laughs> Started out it made me barf, though. It would have made me barf. You know, oh, that's right. You're gluten free. You're gluten free. Lisa Lanier, <laughs> yeah. our official attorney of the Two Guys Named Chris show. Always good to hear from you. Lawyer Up is the segment. She's at LanierLawGroup.com. She's president there. We'll talk to you next week, Lisa. Have a great weekend. You too. There she goes. If you need legal advice, HireAHeavyweight.com is also a website. 